Welcome to the podcast, And Then She Said. If you're new here, this is a podcast where I talk to people about stories that make them feel seen or resonate with them in some way. Every episode is a way for two or more non-experts to share our views and experiences and, hopefully, learn a bit more about each other. We are all experts of our own experience. So today, chatting with my cousin Gil and my friend Vincent, introduce yourself. <laughs> okay, I'm Ellie's cousin, Gil, and I've appeared in this space before, and I'm excited to do it again. And I'm Vincent, I'm Ellie's friend. It's not American, but I'm not, hey. I'm also doing a lot of hand gestures that you'll never see, so it's great. I am so excited to be talking to you both and having you both in the same room, having you meet. This is great. I'm so excited. This episode has come to be because both of these people recommended me different queer films within hours of each other. And I was like, okay, a podcast episode. Tell me, tell me about why these are important to you. Um, Yeah, so the two films are Portrait of a Lady on Fire and Just a Question of Love. Portrait of a Lady on Fire is from 2019. And Just a Question of Love was 2000. It's also, it's so 2000s. Yeah. It's set so 2000s. Um, when I was watching uh, Portrait Lady on Fire, and then I was like, in my head, I was like, oh, my movie is so old. Like, <laughs> why? Like, I was just like, you can see the lens of like, you can see, I don't know why, it's like like looking through like a dirty lens of an eye, like glasses or whatever. Like when you watch Just a Question of Love, it's very, it definitely feels lensed. You can see like what era it was made in, where even yeah. the Portrait of Lady on Fire is set in the 18th century, you can feel the difference of 19 years later like the production quality of it yeah production quality also i feel like i don't know the the plots are so different too i was thinking about this because just a question of love deals with so much homophobia both like internalized and from family members and portrait lady on fire like never addresses it yeah that was kind of like what what i liked about it is that because it's in a period setting where it wouldn't even be really viable to tell that kind of story it just kind of doesn't address it it's like because so many gay movies are about coming out coming to terms with yourself dealing with homophobia in the community kind of arc you know especially american movies i think and like i don't know i just loved how it was so focused on these two people have an experience with one another that affects them and it kind of has nothing to do with anybody else i don't know i love that yeah like they're aware of her mother being somebody they need to avoid with this but like their friend they're yeah. not stressed at all <laughs> no. Like, they don't they don't outright tell her, but they're also like, it doesn't matter, which is nice. What what called to you about just a question of love, Vincent? I think I mean, since I do represent like a cis man, it's part of like a, a series of films that I started to like sort of seek out predominantly when I was in my teens and studying. So it has a it has a backstory in the sense that it was a first French love movie of two gay guys and me being French 
originally I was just like, oh my God, what? And that was quite exciting just within itself. And then it was, I mean, yes, it was about coming out, but like it felt like a real connection between the characters. Like there was something organic about it. And I definitely felt drawn to it uh, more so than just it being French or being a coming out story, but that there's like, like the, the character is a little bit more complex than just that for me at that stage in time uh, when I was a teen. So yeah, and it's like, it, it's always been like a special place in my heart for that, for sure. Like it didn't feel like the whole story is, or their whole characters are just about them being gay. Like they're, it's like, they're people. Yeah, like there was something about career and not knowing where to go and that, you know, you're, you're a young adult and what's your major, like that's still very much something that you, like life doesn't go as planned or some, you know, like, like the researcher is the one who's like straight shooter, knows exactly what he wants. And then it's like, kind of like a, a foreshadowing and a play on like, oh, he's too free you're too rigid um, kind of thing. I don't know, it wasn't centered around s sex so much as well. I don't know, yeah, like that's what resonated with me. I was like, oh, there's an actual like, relationship here. It's not just a, like a, uh, you know, like the bar, thumpa thumpa, guys lock eyes and bam, you know? Yeah, the I love that description of gay movies though. But it's true. It true. <laughs> there's a lot of that. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like there there is there's so much stereotyping of the gay community and then like separate stereotyping for the male gay community and the female gay community. And also to be honest, I'm not as well versed within the more female on female films, but I mean I've like seen trailers and stuff, but it's definitely you can tell even from trailers or even from like snippets that it's way more emotionally based, which kind of like, you know, is uh, in terms of like, it trickles down to the basics of what drives men and drives women in the, like, I want to be emotionally invested. I want to be physically invested kind of thing, which is also stereotypical and, and forces you to think of a certain way about relationships, which then fucks with your brain as well, being like, well, what am I if I don't like this, you know, which is still very pigeonholed into lesbian and, and just being gay, so which is like, you know, we have more colors to that rainbow than we, when we think. But I've had it easy in a sense that there was a lot of content out there that I was able to resonate with being cis man just because of that. Obviously, you know, like I don't have like rom-coms coming out every fucking year that I could like relate to and be like, oh my God. But um, I mean, I fucking love, love Simon, even though, you know, if that came out as a teen, it'd be like on my poster, on my bedroom, you know, but. Um, I think it's interesting. I don't really have like a, you know, developed thought about this, but I just like what you said about, because we're directly comparing like a gay movie and a lesbian movie from the same kind of culture, not really the same kind of era in queer film, but it is interesting to look at like how, how in-depth Portrait of a Lady on Fire goes with like the psychological part of who these people are, like the, um, what comes to mind is the Orpheus comparison, you know, what she like brings that through the whole, which just destroys me because like I'm a literature person, but I just, yeah, I just love how she brought in, I don't know, it kind of almost feels like they're at odds over what love is the entire time. And I'm like, I don't know, it's so different from the male 
like the male counterpart of that in um, just a question of love. But it's the same thing. Like they're they're at odds over what their love means. And like Cédric, the researcher, wants his love to be open and he wants everybody to know. And Laurent is like, this is our love and it's between us. So why do we care what other people think? And why is it relevant if my parents know? And I like that that's kind of like a common denominator a little bit. Because that's, I think, that's something that isn't related to gender or what kind of relationship you're in. Like that's, I've had relationships with people of the opposite sex who like, they did not give a shit about posting on social media or like anything demonstrative like that. We're like, that's something I love to do to be like, look world, here's this person. I love them. Yeah. Gil, I need you in my life. Cause <laughs> that, no, but literally I was like, this is my ex and this was my post relationship. What? <laughs> I was, I was Cédric, right? Cédric is his name. This, this person, Cédric, went through all this self-questioning and self-growth and being like, you know what? I put in so much work. I don't want to go back in the closet. I don't want to do this, 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 this. That compromised my integrity and who I identify as. Whereas Portrait of Lady on Fire is so much more layered because it's like, first of all, they live very much in a world of men and they have to be married off and blah 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 but also what's interesting is that the painter she represents freedom and is taking over her dad's business is what she mentions which is i think quite rare especially within that era which she doesn't have to depend on someone else for money or worth which is something that for a woman in that period is completely drastic you have to be married off to be anything of value that's quite insane to think about as well right her counterpart is constrained to the she fits the mold of the ideal beauty and the uh, like objectified woman that can can be married off for something more because she looks the part but obviously inside yeah how did you discover the the movie Gil? um i don't i don't really remember i think it was just like at, all at once my lesbian friends like attacked me and they're like you have to but i it just appealed to me i love a period piece I love, a, you know, the cinematography. I saw it and I was like, this is right up my alley. So it's just such a beautiful movie. I, yeah. Yes. It, like, it's already the kind of style that appeals to me, but then like queer representation. I was like, all right, double sold. And then it's like the whole time I was watching, I was like, this shot is amazing. Yeah. There's, there's this one shot. So like the, the painter is try- has to paint this other woman without her noticing. She's like, trying to look at her without her noticing. And there's this one shot where they're like, every time she turns her head, you see like glimpses of her. And I was like, this is so beautiful. I can't. Yeah, I just like the whole film is set up around the idea of looking at another person and the painter is like painting in secret. So she has like this, I don't know, it's just so focused on the gaze of the painter. And it's so interesting to compare that with like, how the world sees her and she has to paint this picture so she can send it to her future husband in Italy. I'm so layered. I can't even. <laughs> like the, the difference between looking at somebody and actually seeing them. It's like mm. the, first, the first painting she paints of her is not, is not actually representative of who she is, mm-hmm. which was like <gasps> amazing. And then she lit it on fire and it was amazing. <laughs> 
Yeah, like what was um, what was really interesting is that, and she mentions this as well, being like, oh, like I painted you the way that you should be painted in regards to the rules that were set out for me and the ratios and everything that I've been taught by men because I only paint women because I'm only allowed to paint women. And there you go. And this is how men want you to be portrayed as, oh, but fuck, that is not you and I'm not happy about it. Mm-hmm. Because that's not how I actually see you. I don't see you that way, but I have to paint you that way. Yes, the difference between the way that a woman is seen by the male gaze and like male society and like who she actually is. Yeah, which is also just such a great, it works so well for the, the idea of women in the past in general and also for a queer relationship. Yeah. It's just, it's perfect. Yeah. It's very, it's stunning because there's like, at first, when it first happened, I had a double take. I was like, what? Like when their eye colors change to their own, like they see each other through their own eyes. I was like flipping shit. I was like, what? (laughs) So good. It's like looking into each other's souls and they're seeing each other through their own perspectives. And it's, it's like, yeah, it was stunning. That was really, really good. Yeah, it's interesting too, because because there's there is that kind of departure from realism, but it's presented totally realistically. Like there are a couple times where Heloise appears in this like kind of ghostly white dress as a vision, and then that tying into the Orpheus and Eurydice parallel. <sighs> I don't know who made um just a question of love, but I know Portrait of Lady on Fire is made by a lesbian director. And I was just like, it comes through so clearly in the way that women are the only characters. First of all, there are four characters in the movie and all of them are women and all of them live on this little island by themselves, totally secluded from the world of men. And I don't know, I think you see like, you know, a lot of the well-known lesbian films are all pretty much made by men or made by like a big studio. Um, And you don't get that kind of, in-depth look at it seems like um so the director was uh christian fort and he's done some queer content before in the 90s as well but he wrote no he wrote the movie as well direct yeah he directed and, and wrote the screenplay it was yeah it was a question of love so it was a guy I, yeah i think there's such a difference that you can see and feel in a film that is about women when it's been written by women and directed by women. The parallel I always use is um, the Amazons in Wonder Woman versus the Amazons in Justice League. We're like, they are wearing real armor and they're like fleshed out characters in Wonder Woman where they have a female director and a female costume designer. And then as soon as it goes to Justice League, they're in like skimpy leather bras. And you're like, these are warrior women. What? Like, I don't... 100%. 100%. 100%. You can see that you can see when the male gaze is present. And I don't, I am not a man, so I don't know that this is true, but my perception is that it doesn't go the other way. We're like, I don't ever feel like a male character in a film that was written and directed by a woman feels like less of a well-rounded character. Does that feel true to you guys? Except Chris Hemsworth in Ghostbusters. Yes, but that- that's <laughs> that was a good choice. <laughs> But, but that was also done comedically. 
Yeah. Like it was exactly. like, let me, let me create this spoonful of sugar that you can swallow because your ego is too fragile. Otherwise, like it's, it's, you know, you know what I mean? Like comedy is a way as a, a scapegoat to like a lot of shit, right? You Absolutely. Can, yeah. You and, and a way to emphasize that that is what happens with female characters in male led movies all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Very true. I feel like it's um, what what really struck me. I mean, obviously, it's not when jumping to back to Amazon, but like what I remember feeling was like, wow, these women are beautiful and strong, not not sexy, even though they they are. But it wasn't like sexy isn't the image being projected. They are women, so they have to be. No, they are beautiful. They are strong they are anything they want to be kind of thing. Just a question of love is very, is very cookie cutter portrayal of what a fraction of like, you know, the community goes through. It has a little bit of depth, but doesn't go too deep on it with the AIDS epidemic as well. Cause obviously the director was born in the fifties. So he, lived through and was like you know 20 30 years old when the 80s was going around and AIDS epidemic and blah blah blah. and then 20 years later he the movie comes out so there's for him I guess going into maybe his perspective it's a lot like that's trauma within himself and that he's projecting onto the story uh in a different way because that's I think something that I searched for as well and I feel like we tend to forget as a younger generation of LGBTQ community is that people did die. We're 40 years away from it now, which is kind of insane. That is insane, yeah. To think about. So that means there's a whole generation of under 20s that don't, that don't really know or haven't heard about it in the same way unless you go searching for it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. I mean, a lot of my generation um, have a totally different grasp on LGBT history as a whole. Like I'm, I was the president of my high school GSA and I remember sitting down with my advisor who was, she's like 45 and we went, we have to teach these kids what happened because they, you really just don't hear about it um, because it's like the entire lost generation idea. And a lot of that does show up in films made especially in the 90s, like new queer cinema has a huge focus on the AIDS epidemic because it was so incredibly meaningful to like a huge group of people at that time. And it's just kind of dissipated to some extent. Yeah, because we're not hearing firsthand accounts of it. Exactly. And also since we're also comparing a film that was, so Just a Question of Love was made in 2000 and Portrait of Lady in a Fire is 19 years, 19 to 20 years later. Shows as well the evolution of what now is something that we search for as an audience member. We, we search for something else and other than just one narrative. So that's also amazing to witness because a lot of, even on Netflix or any other kind of like streaming service, if you search for LGBTQ stuff, like it's very still, like there's not all of it also, but what you see on Netflix and what you see in other streaming services, it's kind of the same story regurgitated to you in different ways. Yeah, talking about that that different focus. Queer people have the same like richness to their lives as straight people. It's just that we aren't represented in media in the same way. 
There's a movie that I really responded to that was made later is Ideal Home. Paul Rudd is one of the actors. Um, who would love Paul Rudd? I mean, it's a story about a gay couple, but in their like 40s, 50s. Manager and a TV star chef is the couple dynamic. One of the guys realized that he has a grandchild and the grandchild comes in as custody because his son is an alcoholic or whatever. But it's done in a like, so it's an adoption and family life onto this couple that never had kids which is a complete different dynamic that I've ever seen represented for a same-sex couple, basically. Um, And that was really refreshing to watch. And that is um, on Netflix. I'm not sponsored by them, but there you go. (laughs) Um, But yeah. Yeah. I've been watching Brooklyn Nine-Nine while I'm in quarantine. And first of all, like Captain Holt, who's just like, that he's gay and has a husband and they're middle-aged and it's fine. It's just like part of the story from the beginning. And then Rosa's whole storyline of coming out as bisexual, you just don't hear people say that they're bisexual on TV. You might hear people say like, I don't like labels or imply that they're bisexual, but it's never stated. So that that she like had a whole arc about coming out and saying it to everybody who's important in her life was awesome. And important representation. And it's in that same vein of it's important to to show all aspects of life and that like queer people don't just exist in their 20s where they come out and then dissipate into the void. <laughs> <laughs> can be really encouraging to see stories told about older queer people and you're, you know, yeah, your life doesn't end as soon as you come out and yeah. It doesn't end on the, the, the clubbing. Something that resonated with me as well or the advantage of maybe nowadays is that clubbing isn't the only way you can meet someone or going out to a pub or getting drunk isn't the only way. A lot of gay culture was promiscuous because it had to be and it thrived in that because otherwise it was illegal and in the daylight you get arrested. Like simple as that. So that's also really interesting to see that exposure and being like, oh, like I don't have to go to this shady place that I don't feel comfortable in, or I don't have to be into this subject matter to feel like something that I still very much hate is like the platinum gay or the, like that card thing Mm -hmm. concept. I don't know if you've ever come across that yourself, you know, like you like to play around or, or whatever, or like, like if you are part of the community, you've got to be this part. You've got to be that part. You've got to be under the B, B category or the G or the L or the T. The, and you're like, but why? Why are we trying to put people in boxes? We as a community know how shitty it is to be stuck in a box. And yet we still like to do it within ourselves. Yeah. And that like, that doesn't, it, it's, it ties into the black trans community and the black queer community in general being like, I I, I cannot, I can't, it doesn't make any sense that white queer people aren't doing everything to make sure that black queer people feel accepted. And like, there are so many black trans women who have been murdered and have absolutely no justice is ridiculous. Like we as a community all know what it's like to be discriminated against. And also the idea that like, you can't be like, well, I'm gay, so I've been discriminated against, so I can't be racist. 
Yeah. I've heard so many people who are like, discriminatory because I'm also a minor minority. No, thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it is. It is really easy to get some sort of handle on like, I have a community here and then just start, you know, picking it turn that into your own bubble, but it's not how it works. I, yeah, I do feel like there's a lot of, I don't know. Even in film, we're just starting to get stories like that. Yeah. You know, like the indie movies made about black trans women. I mean, how, like how much money did Moonlight make at the box office? Like $2 million. It's Whereas, you know, for 20 years, we've had stories about white gay cis men as pretty much the story about LGBT people. In the past, when um, like when being gay was illegal, the focus was so much more on persecuting gay men than gay women. Like women could get away with being like old maids who lived with their friend. And that like you could just fly under the radar with that in a way that men couldn't. But in the same way, like there's so much lesbian porn that is made for men to watch. It is not made for lesbians. And that's, I think that's the, like you hit it on the head. Like there's, it's still a turn on for, for a straight man to be fantasizing about this girl that he fancies and maybe her best friend kissing each other. We all know this, but it's just really frustrating because it always comes back up, is that the world is made to pleasure and to facilitate one type of person more so than the other. And we all know what that person is, but it's, but also like, it's not that they're the enemy at all. It's more like they should be the forefront of the conversation because unfortunately they will never understand for their own perspective, but then, so why not bring them on board to share that perspective? Just like our skin. It really hit me hard being like, yeah, I'm gay. And I don't think I can hide it in the same way that I used to be, but I probably can most likely if I'm ever in danger. I can't hide my skin. I can't, I can turn or turn off a switch and make myself fluorescent or whatever, you know? Like I, I can turn down the fabulousness, I can turn down the gay, if you will, if I need to. And we've all experienced a situation where that was necessary because we felt under threat. And that's just a glimpse Whereas making a conscious effort, like I, um, I had this conversation as well, being like, if you ever had to re-question what you were going to wear that day before you left the house, you have felt a bit of discrimination. If you've never thought about it, you are privileged to the nth degree. But if, if you've ever like doubled back and question like, oh, am I exposing too much skin? Or is this too gay? Is it too bright? Is it too loud? Is it too something else? Then that's... It's putting a target, is it, is it too much of a target, is basically what I'm saying. Yeah. Am I going to get attention that I don't want that's going to put me in danger because of what I'm wearing? And mm -hmm. like, for people of color, especially Black people, and especially in America, that isn't an option you have because you can't take it off. Yeah. But there's also like so much internalized homophobia within every single culture as well, which is, which is tough. Like, that's why, like, of course there's that forefront of Black Lives Matter because it's very much that as well. But even like Black gay lives, like how does that, what? And like Black trans, you know, like there's, it's like, okay, first of all, your skin is a target, which is fucked up. And then within your, any community, your sexuality or your way of life is a target. Yeah. And then you visually look like a target to anybody. 
to anybody. That's like one of the discussions that I think is really important to have in LGBT circles is like, how do we perceive homophobia from other cultures other than just like white Americans, which is what I'm pretty familiar with. But like, I've seen people be really horrible towards, you know, saying things like X culture has a homophobia problem and like kind of pushing them away because of that when it's, it should be, we're all victims of oppression from, you know, whether it be trans people or gay people, all of our upbringings have instilled that in us and we need to work together about that. There's some sort of invisible division between I grew up with this culture predominantly or this religion and therefore I'm different and my oppression is different, which it may be, but we're all looking for the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, That's why this kind of discussion is so important because no, you can't ever completely understand what someone else has been through, but if you don't talk about it, then you're never going to get close. The only way that we get to the point of being able to support each other is by trying to understand what other people have been through. And that's like where representation in movies and books becomes so important, especially in film, because we interpret film as real life. Like theater, we expect to be somewhat not representative of real life because already we're extending our disbelief because there are people on stage pretending that they can't see us and it's all happening live. But film, we expect to be real life. So if we see representation of other cultures, other ways of life on film, it helps instill that as a reality within our own minds and our perceptions of the world, which is why representation in media is important for everybody, not just the black girl who sees a black actress on in a film and is like, oh, I can also do this. There's also like a white little boy who sees that black actress in a film and goes, cool, that's normal. It's not just me and people who look like me who are CEOs and doctors or whatever. Yeah, I think it's it can be such a good feeling to watch a movie or read a book or whatever and see yourself like directly reflected in that character. But it can also be so meaningful to consume a piece of media that's not about you and wasn't written by or for people like you and still see yourself in that character. I was just watching, um, I was watching Moonlight yesterday. I think you said you were watching Gods of Country. Yeah. Ellie? Yeah. Um, which is one of my favorite movies of all time. But like, even though, you know, I, you can count off the things that Moonlight does not parallel my experience at all, um, which is about, it's a cis boy. It's a, a hundred percent um, a study of growing up black in Miami. And there's a lot of discussion of like poverty and the toll that drug addiction can take on a family, which is like generally just completely separate from my experience. And yet there's that common thread of Chiron is trying to come to terms with himself in a world that doesn't care about him. And, you know, that bridging that supposed gap of like, we have these completely different hometown stories and like what our lives look like up until the age of 18. But it's, it's really freeing to see yourself in a person that's completely different from you. And that's, I think, what representation is about in general, and like, yeah. is finding that in other people. Yeah, because we're not all cis, straight, white men. And to see, like, I as a woman have been relating to straight, white male characters for my whole life, because that's what most of Hollywood is. So you definitely can do it, because we do it all the time. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And that, yeah, that, that seeing yourself in somebody whose experience of life is totally different from yours. That is my whole point in this podcast, that that is present in every story. Like there's always something you can relate to. Yeah, like you just never know. You never know where, where, what someone has gone through or lived through, but it's more, it's more relevant to you than you think it is. And you can draw on more parallels than differences regardless of where they've been or where they're going to go. I watched a documentary about the gay voice ages ago. It's a documentary thing, I think. But as a kid, you, you subconsciously kind of gravitate towards a social group that you see in front of you that you respond to more. And obviously being raised in a, in a heterosexual household and very much in a heterosexual world, I gravitated towards women and not as an attraction thing, as a similarity thing. Like most of my friends were girls growing up. Like I was in the playground rather on the soccer field because boys were stupid. Um, <laughs> they, they, yeah, they were stupid but cute. And I was like, Ugh. like I was like, I want to play hula hoops, not kick soccers and think about being kicked in the shins. Like, which is disappointing was because like, I actually really like sports but didn't realize until way later because of the connotations I wrapped around it because it was like, oh, it's too rough. Whereas it's like, no, like, and actually, oh, I do like this part. It's very interesting to, to see that. And then obviously the more Moonlight was insane. Like, I loved watching it and it was just, it was just beautiful to see. Um, there was another, there's another movie called, in French actually as well, and on Netflix, to each their own. And it's a bisexual movie. I mean, right. yeah, like she falls in love or has an affair, both ish. Because it's also tied to being Jewish, and I'm pretty sure he's Muslim. So, like, her falling for a straight guy who's black and Muslim, and she is white and Jewish. Very, very well done. But yeah, that, that has nothing to do with me in terms of what I'm seeing, but it was such a good storyline. And I don't know, it makes you smile because you're like, oh, like, you know, like that's, that's awesome. And I hope that there is that out there. Yeah, okay. that, we, that like, we're all more similar than we are different. Yeah. Snaps. <laughs> Sorry, I have like a thing that I just thought of. Um, did you finish God's Own Country? And Vincent, have you seen it? I, I have seen it. I haven't watched it yet. Because I was just thinking of how like as a, if you're looking for parallel stories, I think it's a really great kind of two sides of the same coin with Portrait of Lady on Fire. And maybe Vincent, you'll get what I'm saying is like, how do I describe this? They're both about two people in a relationship and how these two people have to overcome things within themselves rather than overcoming the outside pressure to conform to like the heteronormative society. Like the God's Own Country, there is homophobia and there's racism but it's almost more about Johnny having to like figure out that he's okay with, not just that he's gay because he's fine with being gay at the beginning, but coming to terms with being able to show affection and emotion for another person over just sex. And I like that in a movie about gay people because it's so often we have this love and we have to hide it and we have to, you know, fight against the big society. And it's the same with Portrait of Lady and Fire in that they, kind of go into this knowing that they're not going to be able to overcome the pressure that they've been put under and yet they still find some way to 
take something out of it. Like I love at the end when she sees the painting and she has like the page number marked in her book. And I was like, ah! <laughs> So, oh, and then that yeah. long shot of her like staring at her. Oh and, my god! Where she's just like s- like slowly becoming more and more emotional. I cannot. People don't have to be in your life forever for the experiences you had with them to be meaningful mm-hmm. and like important to your life and necessary. Yeah, I think there's there's one moment where they kind of address like, "Are you asking me to fight against this?" And she says no. And uh, yeah, they go into it knowing that they have what, the like six days that they have. Yeah. And they, you know, there are moments where they're upset about that inevitable ending, but. Yeah, obviously it's very romanticized as well. Being like, you only have six days and that passion and that buildup is just insane. And then this doesn't fit in our real real world because it will never survive, but it can survive within these confines of this house and this place, which very makes me think of, uh, and I'm sorry, but it's true, call me by your name. Uh, it's very much that like heightened experience, which is, I mean, obviously call me by your name has like the first love thing, but obviously maybe with, with Portrait of Virus, that as well, like you would assume Oh, I mean, I take the assumption that they never find love again and they're not with women after that, it seems. Maybe, maybe the painter, but obviously um, Eloise, no. And it was a special moment. And even in Call Me By Your Name, it's not said. And I think Ellie, you told us about like, you never hear the word bisexual. It's always hinted at, but it's never said these women were probably gay or bisexual. We don't know. It's never actually said. Yeah. It's a love story, regardless of, this, of the fact. But in Call Me By Your Name, he's bisexual. He's not gay. Which is also interesting because even in the media, it's, oh, it's a gay love story. Yeah. But it's, well, it's not, though. It's not just that. Yeah. Which I think people... Like, that's also something that's maybe, like, put under the rug because it's, it's harder to accept. Yeah, like, you can't look at this character and be like, oh, no, like, he'll be with a girl as well. No, 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 oh, no, 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 he's gay. He likes, he likes guys. So just, like, it would be very interesting to talk about, to talk to a cis woman and, and ask, would you date a guy who's been with guys? Does that make it less of a man to you or not? Because that's a thing as well. Like, see, like my, my ex was bi. I don't mind at all. Like, it's because you're choosing me it, it, in a way. Um, sorry, I'm yeah, really intimate. But like, in a way, like if I'm dating someone who's been with other genders, it's like, well, no, you're, you're choosing me for you're attracted to me, but you're also choosing me. Out of you have you could choose anybody, and you're choosing me. Yeah. So it's like, hello, ego boost. Hell yes, come through. <laughs> Yeah, there are things too in like in the lesbian community where there are lesbians who don't want to be with girls who've been with guys. And like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just is. I just, I don't understand. It's so not relevant to me. Like, I think I also struggle to understand because I am attracted to multiple genders. So like the idea of only being attracted to one gender is like very confusing to me. I'm like, but have you seen girls? But on the other hand, have you seen guys? 
<laughs> but yeah. I have grown to know that I'm attracted to the appendage, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, what, what's, what's your point, Jill? Tell me. <laughs> I forgot. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's okay. No, I was, I think, I think I was going to say something about as much as, you know, you can see the change in the last, you know, pick a number 20 years about how many kind of incidental gay characters as well as like overwhelmingly gay stories there are in media. There's still that thing where it's, it's much more palatable to have like, here's, here's a gay character and he or she is gay hundred percent. And like, we don't have to worry about it because they're gay as opposed to, I think a lot of queer people have such a layered and nuanced experience and, you know, forgive me, but they go through phases of like different kind of, understandings of themselves and like you know I've gone through that and it's just I don't know it's a lot easier to portray a gay character and say here's a gay character we did it yeah. and, <laughs> and and like, like that's they're gay and it. they know that they're gay and they're not going to question it we're like I feel like most queer people have some like questioning of like maybe this label I'm going to try it for a little bit mm, no mm -hmm. it didn't fit thank you I'll try a different one yeah yeah, because like also sexuality is a spectrum. How much I'm attracted to different genders changes day to day. There is so much queer content to ingest. Yeah. I mean, have we all watched Pose? That is a must-see within the community. That's a cast that is predominantly and only colored trans actors, which I've never seen before. And they're bloody effing gorgeous. Will and Grace portrayed the first gay kiss on television. Yeah. Tales of a City. The, the series in San Francisco. Oh, there's a trans couple. There's, that's where it is. So good. So good. There's also Priya Spoke, the British version and the American version. Which is like watching the new season of Queer Eye. Jonathan Van Ness has now come out as non-binary. And that's like... It's just a thing. It it's not they don't ignore it. It comes up in conversation and it's not an issue. And that's amazing. Yeah, that's maybe the first show or movie I can think of where the non-binary person is like a person and not like a robot or an alien or some kind of otherworldly being. Yeah. Not some kind of stereotype. Yeah. yeah. Honestly, and all of these, I found myself. And I think that's also like, I think you need to do your own kind of like, you know, dive into a deep hole of, of internet and just like find whatever you find for yourself. But media has played an important part in terms of what I form as my identity, because to be honest, Queer Spoke was very much something I was like, oh my God, there's a whole series of gay relationships. And there's also a, um, a lesbian storyline as well. So there is content out there. Mm, and that is so valuable to young people who don't usually get to see themselves in mainstream media. There was this post on Instagram. It was like a speech thingy. Um, this like model turned psychotherapist. And he was nice to look at. So I lingered and I'm guilty of it. It's fine. But he was talking about the generation about due to the AIDS epidemic, there were a lot of 30, 40 year olds that should have been our older community to guide us that disappeared. Mm -hmm. So we, ha we didn't even have 
real life people we could come into contact with to show us the way that that could potentially have. However, if you were born in the 80s, you are 40 now, and that can show us a glimpse of what we had lost. Like we're getting a generation back post AIDS that can show us what it means to have love last and have a semblance of a life. It's just beautiful to see that we now have a community that is of the older generation that can show us an example of what it is to love or what a life can look like. Yeah, that it's not just a phase. I think that's the beauty of it and what can really shape your concept of a community as well um, is how people treat each other through intimate, whether a date, whether a sexual encounter, whether anything within that spectrum of intimacy, how we treat each other or what are the uh, norms of dating or whatnot. They're completely effing fucked around when you're a part of this community. And there's a, like stepping into an abyss being like, oh, I don't know what to do. Uh, Cause it's like, oh, a guy pays for the date. And you're like, well, fuck. There's two of us. There are none of us. Like, are we just gonna leave? Like, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> and then, so there's, there's that. And then again, like what the Instagram model was uh, talking about was also, um, you're choosing to be a relationship with this person that identify, identifies this way. Meaning there's already some preconceived connotations or adaptations to it. Like it's still at the end of the day, two men, whatever that means, two men, two women, or a combination or two trans. There are a lot of trans couples as well. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't matter what you feel as long as you feel okay with it whatever you identify with, you've got to be okay with what you identify with. And what that means is only specific to you. That's what I struggle with a lot. It's like, if you're a gay man, you've got to be this, 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 this. You've got to, if, you're a tra if you're a trans woman or a trans man, you've got to be this, 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 this. You know, like if you're bisexual, you've got to be this, 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 this. And within a, within a relationship context, yeah even more fucked because it's not just one person with their own ways or yeah. traumas or thoughts or emotions. It's two people. And how do you be in sync with that? Like any one member of the LGBT community has a completely different relationship with, you know, like the world at large, but also just the community. Like I've met so many people who interact with it in different ways than I do, or, you know, feel separated or excluded from it in some way. And everyone deals with that in their own way. And then like two people together trying to like quantify just what it means in general and that those expectations of what a queer couple looks like too. You know, like people are really suspicious of straight couples at Pride, you know, things like that when you don't know what that could be. That could be a whole lot of different things that isn't just a straight cis couple. Yeah. So it, it's a really complicated issue. That's a good chat. And how nice to get to talk about queer films with other queer people. Thank you guys for suggesting these films to me and then being willing to come talk to me. Thank you so much. It was a lot of fun. It was fun. Well, thank you for tuning in. Uh, if you have thoughts or comments or anything you want to share, give us an email at and then she said pod at gmail.com. And uh, subscribe review 
send out the word, share it with your friends, anybody you think might be interested. And uh, I hope you tune in next time for whatever we talk about next. Bye.